0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I am Scarlett. And I'm Katie. and still having internet troubles. (laughs) We're your animates and hopefully uh, we won't have too many internet troubles uh, marring this recording uh, because I'm proud to say this is our 50th episode. Uh, Oh my god, we made it. We made it. I didn't think when we first started uh, this little podcast uh, last year that we'd actually keep it going for 50 episodes. Um, but thank you to everyone so out three there. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, three weeks. Three weeks, i about not right. Uh, thank you to everyone out there who is still listening to us, uh, our friends and uh, strangers as well, somehow. Uh, we hope that you've enjoyed listening to us as much as we've enjoyed uh, talking at you. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not really a conversation, you know? It's, it's more just like we're speaking into the void and hoping the void is listening back. Uh, so thank hey, you. The they void. know how to reach out to us. They can if they want. That's true. You can join hundreds of bots on Instagram and comment on our posts. Being a, pr- a proud company of, of spam bots, promote uh, insert fake thing here. <laughs> we, we we get a lot of that um, on our on our Instagram, but sometimes we get real people, and we love you, real people. We love you almost as much as we love robots. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, But today, uh, to celebrate our 50th episode, uh, we're going to do something just a little bit for us. Uh, We're going to talk about our cumulative top 10 favorite childhood nostalgic cartoons. Uh, Obviously, we have a lot of love for animation, a lot of love for cartoons uh, that comes through with uh, all all of the, the wonderful things that we talk about here. Uh, and we just sort of wanted to to go into our our personal uh, story and talk about the cartoon that uh, made us into the cartoon-loving people that we are today, the ones that still give us the warm fuzzies when we look back on them, uh, and the ones that we probably should never fully do a rewatch of, otherwise we'll be reminded of how they might not have actually held up as well as we hoped they would. Uh. Yeah. My I, I think I think certainly some on, on my list do. Uh Katie and I each picked uh, five. So we have a cumulative top 10. Um, mostly because we didn't want to uh do 20. And frankly, if we had 10 each, there would have been a lot of overlap. Um, but hopefully by by narrowing it down to our, our true favorites, uh, there will probably still be overlap because oh,
1: absolutely.
0: We we have a lot in common, including our, our OG taste in cartoons, but that's okay because we love talking about them and I Neither of us will mind talking about them twice. Um, so, Katie, what what is what is your your number five uh, nostalgic cartoon?
1: Well, I get to start. Wow, exciting! I gotta remember <laughs> which one I put in five. You you had time to prepare this. I think I wrote it down. No, I was gonna go with Dexter's Lab at five.
0: Ooh, nope. Thought,
1: yes, Dexter's Lab at five.
0: Tell us about it. Why, why uh, is that your number five?
1: Uh, the nostalgia is less remembering the show. I've watched the show a good amount. Um, and I loved it as a child. Enough to name... Uh, my, my cat was named Dexter. After Aww. the show. So it holds a special place in my heart. <laughs>
0: Other than just being a good show. It, I mean, it is a great show. It's, it's, it feels warm and fuzzy in the way that only those... Early era Cartoon Network shows can make people. They really all felt like such a worthy successor to the Looney Tunes Hanna Barbera uh, cartoons that they were trying to emulate. And they're so good. Mm hmm.
1: Short. So, be- concept, very easy. Also, I really like the in between segments for some reason. And I've, I've referenced them multiple times here. Um, I believe you have our our superhero knockoffs for sure. <laughs> Like no, I can never remember if it's codenade kids next door that has the other ones. Or if
0: they're both codenade kids next door and I've just really messed it up. Wait, which which one?
1: Which one is in fact Will
0: The so the one with like the monkey and like the, the guy with like kids next door and I always confuse it. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Honestly, I, I feel like I I feel like you're right, and I always also think that's sectors Lab. Uh was it called kenny and the monkey now i'm looking at this up Justice so, kenny and the yes it was kids next door it was okay. kids next door but
1: justice friends is dexter's lab and i have referenced it multiple times on this podcast because it has a weird place in my head along it, it's right by kenny the kenny and the chimp thing yeah they now, sit right next to
0: each other and get confused they, they definitely they feel like they should be in the same in the same universe um, I wonder if they're made by the same. It possibly. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, because I think it was uh, Warburton or whatever his name was, um, who did Kids Next Door, who made those cartoons. Um, but perhaps he was incubated on Dexter's Lab. Dexter's Lab probably would have been a few years before Kids Next Door came out. So it makes sense that maybe he was was working in the, that that Dexter's Lab uh, zone and then transitioned.
1: Doesn't seem that they just they, the vibes are too similar.
0: It, you know wow. what? I Ward think it's very nice about babies. Hmm. You're
1: wondering. Warburton also worked on Muppet Babies.
0: That's good to know. I'd never watched Muppet Babies. Um. I well, I think both of us kind of fell in that like weird time gap between various mm-hmm. Muppet Baby cartoons where we were like never the right age.
1: Yeah. He was. He was the CG
0: reboot. In ah. 2018. Yeah. No, I have not seen that. We've um, seen bits of it. Um. Is, is isn't isn't Gonzo gay now? I I, I approve if that if if, if so I approve. Um, he is Gonzo. <laughs> I mean, he's also not. He's not even really clearly a muppet. No one knows what Gonzo is. But I no, I, I remember. I remember I, no, I know this.
1: No, not gay. Long-standing relation, romantic relationship with Camilla the chicken. Well, yes. With Gonzo's gender identity. Gen, he is ah. gay. I guess I didn't. Pronouns aren't listed easily. Uh, non-conforming because there's no. Yeah, you know
0: what? Good for Gonzo. Gonzo, Gonzo has always felt princess? a little bit non-binary. Yes, Gonzarella. because I plan. Oh right, right, life. that was what it was. He was he wanted to dress up as a princess, and conservatives got mad. This isn't what this isn't relevant to the episode, of course. Relevant but we to just, our hearts. This 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 is our 50th episode, so we're gonna talk about stuff that we like. Um, we, and, and we, we, we stand non-binary Gonzo. Uh, they are, they yes, are a great little vibe. monster Muppet thing. Um, <laughs> so when it comes to Dexter's Lab, uh, do you, do you think that, that we are, that you, you are Dexter and I am DD? Yes, because we have Pinky and the Brain vibes also. They're very similar. That, that is a good point. That is a good point. DD DD and Dexter are definitely, uh, in that same, uh, comic relationship as Pinky and the Brain, uh, which is, it's why it works, you know, it's a good, it's a good comic foil situation. It's a classic, classic setup, uh, and it works really nicely. So that's a that's a good choice uh, for your number five. Um, it's ironic that that we we sort of segued a little bit into uh, Codename Kids Next Door because that's my number five. Um, remember when I said earlier that like shouldn't rewatch the ones of your childhood? Um, so this one is kind of my representative of that on the list uh, because we have fairly recently gone back uh, and and sort of checked and. And, and seen where our, where our nostalgia uh, had left it. And it definitely is not quite what I remember, but this show is about nostalgia. Uh, and so I'm gonna talk about the show that I remember it to be, uh, which was just uproariously funny and uproariously rebellious. I just, I loved the idea uh, that the show was, was really about a war between kids and adults and the, the ultimate crime was growing up uh, and I, I, I was at like just the right age for that kind of messaging. I was old enough that like I understood the concept of aging, uh, but still young enough that I was decidedly a kid, and I understood how great that was. Um, I love that the show is just a celebration of all things kid. That it was, it was the indulging every every fantasy, and and really got how serious kid issues are to kids. Because I think we all had moments that felt like all-out war as a child, you know, whether it was defending your territory on the playground or uh, getting the, the right the right uh, uh, summer vacation vibes, uh, not going to the dentist, like so many things as a kid mean so much more than they will when once you grow up. And I love the show. It does such a fun job personifying that. I love how close all the kids are. I love that they all have their own little rooms in their treehouse that speak to their personalities, and they're just a tight knit group that are all very different but all generally get along. Uh, you know, I wanted that as a kid. I think every every kid kind of wants that. Um, not that I didn't have friends; I had friends, but I think I, I really wanted a treehouse gang. And I think that might be sort of one of those things that only exists in movies and possibly like the 1950s. Uh, I never knew a kid growing up who had a treehouse. I'm sure kids like had tree houses, um, but like the idea of just like every day after school, you and a specific group of kids go to a treehouse and plot the afternoon scheme. Um, I don't know, that's just such an appealing concept to me. It's also why I really liked Ed and Nettie, but that also really hasn't held up. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know we won't talk about it. Um, and of course, I, think, oh, I, I feel like I've mostly blocked Kenny and the Chip out of my memory until we were oh, re-watching and we, we found it. Um, I don't know I, why it's
1: seared into my memory. I think because it's related to pathogens and, like, science. And child me like science more than adult me. Because adult me was like, screw that.
0: I'm done. Science is a great concept until you actually have to start doing it. But
1: it's, it's seared it was- into my memory the Kenny and the Chip segment seared and also some of the animation is that weird like gross SpongeBob close up style yeah like not as intense not no not quite as intense but uh, but it is fully seared itself into my memory
0: yeah it's there's there's a there's a lot that's fun there I think that that to me feel when we talked about it briefly in our uh, Cartoon Network retrospective I think we placed it firmly in that CN city. Uh, arc of Cartoon Network, the era where it, you sort of had the idea that all these cartoon characters just sort of lived in one world in harmony, doing rude stuff. Uh, I, I I love that for that phase of Cartoon Network. I love that it was developing its own identity um, and was just being a, a little bit rambunctious, a little bit silly, um, but wasn't, wasn't quite where Nickelodeon was, I think, in terms of uh, like just the the absolute gross out factor which was really appealing to me as a kid like I like there was a there was a cleanliness uh to the Cartoon Network shows at that time that uh Nickelodeon was was still kind of trying to be like the boys gross out thing uh, Cartoon Network I feel like was more the channel that like took itself seriously like we're gonna take our world seriously our kids are doing wacky stuff in their treehouse or doing nut nutty Dexter's lab stuff um but we're going to take their world seriously. We're not going to we're not going to mock them for existing in their own world, uh, in the same way that I feel like like SpongeBob got a little mean spirited at times. Not that that was bad. We we love ourselves as SpongeBob, um, but there there was a mean spiritedness there that uh, I don't that the the Cartoon Network shows rarely had. They were rambunctious and rebellious, but I don't think they were they they were never cynical, which I I kind I kind of dug about that. Um. So Katie, what's the what's uh, cartoon on your on your nostalgic list. I'm going the
1: opposite side of what you just went with. With the show that you went with, a show that doesn't hold up as well when we rewatch it. And I'm going to go with the show that I think holds up better when I do. Hmm. I just screamed. Oh no! Uh, with the show that I think might actually hold up better. Um, and that is Phineas and ferb Ooh, good it's choice. Kind of right at the edge of our cartoon time, you
0: know before yeah. we were college
1: students and discovered cartoons can be watched by adults.
0: Yeah. Phineas and Ferb was definitely the number one show I pretended I didn't watch and like, even though I adored it. Like, I have such a strong memory of my seventh grade uh, science teacher showing us the hemoglobin highway song from Phineas mm-hmm. and Ferb. And like most of the class being like, "Ugh, like, why are you showing us cartoons? We're grown ups. We're 12 whole years old. And then like me, obviously playing along because i wanted to be cool but like in my brain being like oh i love this song let's, let's 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 watch this i love it
1: it's it's a good show and it holds up well animation wise looks good um fun plots uh i appreciate jeff and Spritz more and more the older i get uh for some reason you know there's just a lot going on it's great uh, impressive that they fit a, a song into, base, into every episode. They have some fun specials. Swinter sticks in my head for some reason, sometimes. Winter. The yeah. theme song, uh, is
0: annoyingly good. Were you at the the Bowling for Soup concert that was going on in college, where like the crowd demanded they play the theme song, and then they did? No, I was not one of the people. I, I was also the not there. It. I just I just heard secondhand and saw the recordings and wish I had been there.
1: Yeah, I do remember that happened.
0: I think some of our friends might have gone. Um, oh yeah, but a couple did. Um,
1: yeah, that's a good one. Um, ending not as strong probably but was is first
0: there are some good memories in that first season depends what you just define as the ending because they they just that's last true. summer released uh, candace against the universe i don't know I if we ever talk about discuss- that because i haven't seen it yet oh my god okay well that's uh clearly an episode we need to do is, is talking about that um it's generally good you know it's it's always hard to rekindle the magic i think because mm-hmm. you're always so self-conscious of the fact that you're trying to rekindle the magic. Um that I, I think I think it it is it's 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 difficult to go back to something uh and, and make it the same quality as when it started, knowing you have that legacy. Uh but it's good. It's got a lot of the, the best things about the franchise. Um that's another another example of, of kids, you know, go, going right to their, their not a treehouse necessarily, but all the kids go to the backyard and live out their childhood fantasies.
1: I weirdly also love the Star Wars special, which I discovered in college. It's perfect. I, it's- I'm like some point during quarantine made my roommates watch it because we had Disney And was like, I've only seen clips. I need to experience the whole thing. And you're coming with me.
0: It's it's the kind of show that you just you you need to show people. Like I have never felt the urge to show people things in the same way I, I genuinely do for the Star Wars special, because I want to I wanna like grab people by the shoulder and say, not only is this one of the best like Star Wars cartoon parodies, this is better than most of the Star Wars movies. Like yes. legitimately. And that's not me ragging on any particular Star Wars movie. That's just this is what happens to be ridiculously good. <laughs> This is a different
1: segue, not segue, this is a different story related to this. Um, One is that Dan Pollenmeyer is on Twitter, and every so often I run into Dan Pollenmeier on Twitter, and he's not Twitter, TikTok, and it's great. great. But the other thing was I ran into TikTok the other day where someone was explaining what the plastic cap on your shoe was called, and everyone in the comment section is like, yeah, you didn't teach us this we all know the song
0: a <laughs> g l e t don't forget it yeah no i mean there's, yeah. the, the, you say the word shoelace in that song is in my head like you don't even need to like start like describing naglet i know what a naglet is everyone in our generation now knows what naglet is
1: like i just love like, the communal feeling of everyone in the comments going yeah we know we know we know the song Dave, you didn't
0: have to teach us this. I don't know if his name was Dave, but it was a white man. (laughs) Well, that narrows it down. Let's have to search YouTube for white man. Um, But yeah, it's it's one of those shows that I feel like is so uh, definitive for our. I think it's it's a great cusper show. I think I, I think if you like are looking to define are unique part of the spectrum. I think millennials are a little bit old and like the true Gen Zers are like often only experienced and then verb through, you know, reruns or, you know, or just cultural osmosis. But we were there when it started. We were the perfect age to like really start getting into it. We were the perfect age to like kind of drift away from it and then to come back to it and have it be nostalgic. But I think that's kind of the key is that we were like maybe slightly too old for to like stick around like we were were the perfect age like the first season i feel like and then as it went on we were like slightly too old but that just meant that we could hit high school and realize why did i hate this this was perfect and go back to it um they also made a really great zombie special i feel like people don't talk about the zombie special um did you have you seen the one night of the living pharmacists i think i have but it was it was it was one of the latter day ones. They kind of went through a crazy phase when they like realized that this was their last season. Let's just throw all the cards on the table. Um, they just, it's just, they have a zombie episode and it's really rad and fun. Lisa verb is great. This a good choice. Oh yeah. Uh, I will, I, my, my number four choice uh, and I'm already regretting the flack I'm about to get for this. Uh, Penguins of Madagascar. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't make a list of my top five mo- the most nostalgic childhood favorites without mentioning me and my first foray into serious obsessive fandom at the age of 11 with Penguins of Madagascar. Um, this is one that I, I have not had the heart to go back to. Um, Cause you know it's not gonna stand I, up. I know it's not gonna hold up. And if it doesn't hold up, Katie, I wasted three years of my life I wrote so much fan fiction, and it was so long. And thankfully it was like what I was doing for all of my afternoons for most of middle school.
1: And when we hit a thousand listens,
0: Scarlett's gonna read her fan fiction live on air. I never agreed to this. <laughs> it's not it like Penguins of Madagascar. It's probably not good when we go back to it. But I was invested. I I honestly I don't know what the special formula was that hit me so hard with this show. Um but I mean I can sort of I could sort of describe how I felt. Like I watched like I didn't particularly like the Madagascar movies. Like I thought they were fine. They did not strike me in any particular way. Nowhere near my favorite movies, just like things that I saw and and put out of mind. Um, I was actually much more how to train your dragon kid when it came to DreamWorks movies um and a little bit of Shrek. Uh, but for some reason this show uh, it wasn't it wasn't really the comedy I didn't I remember I didn't like the episodes where they tried to be funny I wanted I wanted it to be very serious um, I, I think weirdly I was going through like a teenage angst period but like I was still too young to like really appreciate like actual stakes and angst so teenage I think but make it fluffy <laughs> Pretty much. So I think I just kind of so the kind of joke with the penguins that I was a little too young, I think, to get the irony is that they treat themselves very seriously like they're like a commando unit when they're penguins. Uh, which is is the joke that most people get but for me it was like oh yeah these guys are so serious they have a life or death struggle they they have a, a dramatic backstories where and meanwhile like all like the traumatic backstories are all jokes um but i i remember taking them very seriously and being like okay how can we tie these in lore i really i really wanted there to be lore the show never made any effort to actually make lore but i wanted there to be lore um if you so, and, look at Penguins of Madagascar, Lord's actually just fully written by Scarlet. Yeah, probably. I mean, I I wrote a backstory fic because I'm like, I want to know where these characters came from, and one of them's a sad orphan, and that's sad. And I don't know. I I was real. I was really into this guys, and this was like, I was too scared to go on Tumblr because that's where like the bad people were. Uh, and I, I certainly wasn't going to a foray into the, the scary live journal uh, where I heard there were, were, were bad words. Yes, yes, Katie?
1: Can I tell my favorite story about your fan fiction that I discovered? It's not in any way related to it. I what? it. what, Katie? What? <laughs> is that in attempting to dig it back out, to unsurface it again, I found out that someone had drawn fan art of one of your OCs. I'm
0: telling you, I was a big name fan. Like this is and gonna, that's I what I knew. The fame. One day, I'm gonna find someone who was really active on the Penguins of Madagascar forums from 2009 to 2012. Uh, listeners, if you were really active in the uh, Penguins of Madagascar community in 2009 to 2012, um, message me. You probably saw me around because I cannot emphasize how little of a life I had during my penguins of madagascar phase when i was basically doing nothing but getting very invested in them um i i i want to believe that if i went back it's not a bad show like i think i i genuinely think there was more effort put into it than they had to and maybe that was there was sort of an initial shock of Wow they you know this this isn't like barnyard for example, which I think was the other Nickelodeon show at the time, which was uh, trying to live off the success of, of a mediocre feature um, I think I think there was a, a level of, of serious effort that was going into it to like give each of their case characters their own personalities uh, to have them play off of each other to, Put them in interesting situations and interesting environments. I think I, I want to believe that it's not trash. I again too scared to check um, because yeah, I'll have safety. Please crisis. don't. Yeah, I'll have an existential crisis if I go back and it's terrible. But I will say again, if the premise of this episode is the things that we saw as children that really stuck with us and inspire us to this day, even if it wasn't actually as good as we remember, uh, the Penguins of Madagascar is the peak of that for me. <laughs> all right well why don't we take a little break while i come down off of this high of nostalgia uh and when we come back we will we will move on to our our number threes
1: hi we're the curiosity of a child podcast i'm anton the son age 10 and I'm the, daddy. <laughs> I'm the daddy i'm the daddy aged a few multiples of 10 and we're curious about well everything <laughs> The more you look at the world, the more you understand, and then the more you will see. We're a podcast about history, science, storytelling, and... The curiosity of a child. We like to dig into different topics, everything from the humble ox... They've been really important for the development of mankind, and in that episode I had to learn about castration. Sorry about that. <laughs> Two, the most popular Christmas toys of yesteryear. We don't just talk, though we like to experience. That might mean recording on a location in a 5,000-year-old dolmen full of spiders and, reportably, the entrance to the fairy realm. Or simply tasting spices from across the world to uncover where they came from, how the trade affected people's lives, and how they were used. So, please listen to the
0: Curiosity of a Child podcast. And welcome back. Uh, We're going to now move on to our number three most nostalgic cartoons. Katie, what's your number three choice?
1: I'm unfortunately following the same vein you just were of like, I shouldn't watch this back. I know it doesn't live up to the hype because I know because we did it. Because it's Ed, Ed and Eddie. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So when we finished Animaniacs, We went back. We were like, what are we going to do now? We did a bracket to figure out what was going to be our next shit we were going to watch through. And we ended up on edit, and I forgot what it lost to. Or what it beat. But we watched it. We watched, like, two episodes. We are like, oh no. This doesn't hit well when you're adults.
0: I actively felt my brain rotting out of my skull. It was, you know what it was? It was like the equivalent of just like guzzling pixie sticks like that's the vibe that I got like this was good when I was a child, but sticks. now I hate myself
1: yeah as someone who's guzzled pixie sticks yeah I like so good in the moment you keep having more and then you feel terrible <laughs> yeah yeah
0: um I only want
1: a pixie stick no, don't do it.
0: But you know what? I always wanted one of those dang jawbreakers in the show. They look so good Oh, my children. God. Can you have... So, okay. So, true True story. I thought that jawbreakers were made up for Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Because, admittedly, they, they look insane in Ed, Ed, and Eddie. They're the size of the children's heads. And I couldn't conceive of a candy that would call itself something as violent as a jawbreaker. Especially when the ones in Ed, Ed, and Eddie look like they literally could break your jaw um so when I first discovered they were real and they're they're tiny they're like smaller than your average mint really um, there's some
1: really big ones though that I would hurt
0: I I think I've seen like the ones that are they're like uh I, I want to say like like pool ball sized yeah yeah I've seen those those I I've seen those are sort of like later in life but I think when I was a kid at least the only ones that I could ever find were like the ones you occasionally get on Halloween that are like the worst things to get in your basket of Halloween goodies because it's not chocolate and it's not a gummy so it falls to the bottom of the bag and it's your last resort that you eat at the end of November.
1: Yes but I specific this is especially for you this is a visual so only Scarlett will see it but Might be flooded back with memories of the candy store. But also this scene in particular, where it's up to the ceiling of
0: jawbreakers from
1: different countries. the jawbreaker
0: vault. The vault. (laughs) Like,
1: I have that memory. But just like, I remember watching all of Ed Ed, and Nettie. It was just an important, like, just a daily part of my day. I have the video games. Every time I threaten to make Cartoon Time Machine Twitch page, it's because (laughs) I want to play that game.
0: It's not a very good game. I'm, I'm eager to play that with you on our Twitch, but it's just like, I love it
1: in my soul. It was so much of my childhood and it's a show my parents
0: hated. <laughs> and now I know why. That's the thing. It, it does seem to be designed to just irritate the adult brain um, because it's It's so sloppily animated but it's very deliberately sloppily animated like i have something so inviting about the animation to me and i love it it almost feels calculated to take on that late 90s like i don't care about this i'm putting in minimal effort like slacker energy it has slacker energy i think is the best way to describe it like it's not bad animation they clearly actually worked hard on it but it seems to be calculated and designed to make you think they don't actually care which is a a big late 90s early 2000s mood the worst thing to do in that time period was act like you cared sorry i ended up on the Ed and Eddie fandom page there's just
1: a page that is the list of jawbreaker flavors from the show well please list the flavors and any reference uh anchovy paste australian adventure black licorice Blueberry, bubblegum, buttered toast, candied beets, uh, Cantonese Paradise, Chunky Puffs, Crayon Taco, Curry Surprise, Everlasting, Freeze Me, Gingerbread Sailor, Gravy, Jimmy's Fudge, Kangaroo Ketchup, uh, Peaches and Cream, Peppermint, Pudding Skin, Queen's Joyce, Red Hot, Root Beer, Sea Cucumber, Tutti Frutti. Oh, there's more. Would you like me to keep going? Please. Antarctic, Australian, Canadian, English, French, German, Greek, Guatemalan, Italian, Japanese, Latin, Mexico, not Mexican, Mexico, (laughs) Scottish, Slovak, Swedish, uh, that's a repeat, no, yes, that's a repeat list, gingerbread sailor,
0: what's with gingerbread sailor? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't know if I repeated that one, but I had to.
0: But, like, what?
1: what why? What, Alaska, so? Algeria, Atlanta, Belgium, Bolivia, Boris Land, Brazil, California, Canada, Chernobyl, China, Costa Rica, Cuba, England, France, Georgia, Graceland, Greece, Greenland, Hong Kong, Iceland, India, Ireland, Italy, Japan, Eddie's preferred flavor, land, Korea, Kuwait, Libya, spelled incorrectly, by the way, <laughs> And Are so you it, saying
0: the Ed Netti fandom isn't fully educated and capable?
1: No, 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 selling? no, no, no. They spelled it right. The show spelled it wrong. They put the they confused where the Y and the I go.
0: I love this show.
1: <laughs> Los Angeles, Macau, Monaco, Morocco, New Jersey, North Pole, Norway, Pakistan, Peru, Poland, Reno, South Africa, Scotland, Seoul, Spain, Surrey, Syria, Toronto, USA, Vancouver, Vietnam, Wales, Yeovil.
0: Zebra. Wow. I, I have no words that, that, that list is stunning. And I love the show and I'm never watching it again. Yeah. I think, I think we have to wait until like we're around children and just like turn it on and and say, you will thank us later in life, but then immediately leave the room. I think that, I think that's going to have to be the key is just, just letting, letting the, the children enjoy it in the way we no longer can. What's your number three before I'm sad? Uh, my, my number three, I think, is sort of cheating because I was a little bit old when I got into this. This was sort of more my late middle school, early high school love. But I'm going to count it um, just because it's, it's, a, it's an older show and I really did fall in love with it in a huge way. And I look back on that period uh, with much love. Uh, it's Batman: The Animated Series, uh, the the '90s show. Uh, I discovered it on on a channel called The Hub, which I'm not sure if everyone has. I don't. It was one of those mythical channels that just seemed to have a hodgepodge of random stuff. Um, I think it was mostly Warner Brothers uh, stuff. It's also where I watched Animaniacs as a kid. Um, but this, I for for whatever reason, um, I discovered it at at that late later stage and just so fell in love with it. It was actually really my my intro into. Uh, Batman specifically, but also wider, just the world of comics, which I won't say I'm a big fan, but I'm, I'm certainly a little bit casual, uh, which I truly wouldn't have been if I hadn't watched the show. Uh, it's, it's really a Marvel of, which is ironic given that it's a DC show, but it is a Marvel of, uh, of animation. Uh, it's, they, they famously drew all the storyboards on black paper, uh, which, you know, well, all, one being just a big emo mood. I love that. Um, also, I, I, it really allows them to play with the shadows. Batman is usually just drawn as like an extension of the shadows, which I think is a really cool way of visualizing it. Uh, it's the most iconic uh, portrayals of most of the Batman villains we now know and love. Uh, Harley Quinn started on Batman the Animated Series and she's never been better than when she was on that show. Um, Mr. Freeze's backstory, which is now iconic, was made for the show. Uh, and of course best joker of all time Mark Hamill we love him just a what brilliant voice actor uh, who is you know, obviously better known as being Luke Skywalker but to me will just always be the joker is, is the first the first thing that comes to mind um, it's on HBO Max I still occasionally rewatch it it's kind of my go-to comfort show Um in in part because it is it does absolutely hold up unlike some other things we've mentioned which do not uh this is actually one that does get better with age um but i i still feel feel the warm fuzzies remembering the first time i saw it um and also the first time i saw the, the theatrical movie mask of the phantasm uh that's associated with the series it's another time where i i realized i think for the first time the power of animation and that An animated movie can actually be much better than a live action one because i had just seen the dark knight and wasn't getting what all the all the thrill was about i'm sorry that's my hot take i don't really like the dark knight it's an okay movie uh heath ledger's a great joker but every time he's not on screen i'm not really enjoying myself uh whereas mask of the phantasm which i think i watched like a few weeks after i saw the dark knight for the first time um i i sort of fell in love um so if, if anyone out here hasn't seen the show, it's it's really brilliant. Uh, it's a it it, yeah, it knows when to be dark it knows when to be funny. Uh, Alfred is a is a sassy queen, and we stan. Just no one has ever done Alfred as good as this show. He's just so 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 fed up with Batman the entire time, and deserves better. Uh, but that, that's that that's mo- that's most of uh, that's frankly most of the characters in the show. Um, it's good. It's it's very very good. Uh, Katie, how about how about we go on to your number four? Oh, sorry, not number four. Number two. We're going down. We're down. I, it's been a long day.
1: <laughs> uh, similar to how you picked one that you more so watched later. Uh, I gotta put in num- the number two slot. Has to go to Animaniacs with just how much we watched it and how well it holds up and
0: how much I can how much rewatchability it has, the old
1: series. I haven't rewatched the new one still.
0: That's that's actually for the very reason I didn't put that on, I was tempted um, because it, it sort of does fall in that same category of watched it younger, but not super young, but also still occasionally rewatch. Um, but I feel like it's meant so much more to adult me that like, that's why I avoided it. But t- 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 tell us why it's on your list. I'm glad one of us brought it up because it There's deserves still, it. I
1: well. mean, it's still nostalgic. A lot of nostalgia is less so like how old it is. Do you look at it with kind of a rose-colored glasses? I mean, yes. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant comedy. It's great animation. Some episodes don't hold up. Some don't. Most Name one. do. Name one that doesn't hold up. I'm not a fan of the Christmas episode. That's just the story of Jesus. I still am not little drummer warners no it, it still doesn't hold up as well for me boo but there are somewhere you go oh that joke i mean good feathers like season yeah end of the true. show good feathers we started like debating
0: if we could skip that's when we started just going on our phones or like doing homework. Like there, there actually, they're, I, that, that's what I definitely remember is there were some points in college where one or the other of us would drag someone down to watch some Animaniacs in, in, our, in our dorm. And I'd have my laptop be like, all right, I'm going to finish this essay during the Good Feather segment. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I mean, like there are little ones that are good and that's why this like little one off things like Mr. Skullhead little things like that which is why the sec- the new series hasn't held up quite as well in my opinion with my nostalgias it doesn't have the quirkiness of the other stuff and also is far
0: too political um well we're about we're about to get uh season two so yeah but we'll, we'll find out if they tone that down just a little bit and we've done tell a I different feel like
1: we don't it. just feel too much on animaniacs because we have done so many episodes about animaniacs but that's it has me on there
0: that is true. That is true. Um, we we we've definitely talked about it enough. Um, so I'll transition us to a show that we will never talk about likely because I think only I watched it and want to talk about it. Uh, Teen Titans um, is was was a, another. I know I've just put two superhero shows together on the list, um, but the the tones are real different between Teen Titans and Batman. As dark as Batman was, Teen Titans was colorful. Um, and it, it sort of it's an in, I feel like it's an interesting time capsule of that period uh in western animation when anime influence was just sort of seeping in like japan was leaking i feel like at this time and just a little bit of that anime infusion was was hitting our our good wholesome western cartoons um and and they were much better for it uh i love the way that the teen titans would occasionally morph into their little chibi versions uh I love that whenever there was a non-serious episode, the theme song would turn Japanese, um, which was kind of fun. Like it was a good way of, you know, after the cold open, you'd know whether it was a serious episode or not. Um, and me being a little, a little emo child, uh, that would be when I knew whether I wanted to continue watching the episode or if I would catch it later because I only wanted to watch the serious ones. Um, but it, it was surprisingly, uh, it was more impactful uh, than, than I think even it fully knew at the time. Um, in a lot of ways, there's, you know, one episode that tackles racism in a way that I think was really uh, profound for me as a child that I, I don't think I, you know, being a, a somewhat isolated kid, I don't think I really fully understood what that, what the implications that were. Uh, there was a lot of ableism that they tackled, particularly with Cyborg, uh, which, you know, is something that, it, it, movies and tv are still working on how to tackle but i think the the sh- show did a really great job with that uh and of course above all it was just a really fun action series with some really great memorable characters um and while i'm here while i while i have all of you teen titans fans here who are sitting at you at your computers listening to me and going yeah you're right teen titans was a great show give teen titans go a chance i, I just <laughs> I I, you know, I was the, with the same naysayers that the rest of you were thinking they ruined my childhood and this show is trash and it will never live up to the expectations of how great the original Teen Titans was. And while that is true, because the original Teen Titans was amazing and one of the, be- the better superhero shows to ever come out, Teen Titans Go is really funny, you guys. Like it is a very different type of show, but it is really funny. Give it a chance. I, you will la- start laughing despite yourself and then eventually you will just admit to yourself that you're having a good time and that's okay it's okay to have a good time there two shows can be equally valid even if one of them might be better and in a different genre so that's my psa stop hate watching things just because you can't admit that things are good mm-hmm. that's that's my little rant i did a rant you too. yeah why don't we talk about your number one nostalgic show
1: one i have to say
0: i'm impressed
1: we haven't doubled it all so far i think i know what you're about to
0: say i think we might double this one i'll be intrigued to see oh. if we don't we definitely did not go ahead oh incredible how do we manage that because you like this particular show more than me i think as much as we both like it i think you like this particular one more than me okay.
1: uh it's spongebob i was literally watching it earlier
0: today yeah That's what we thought. I'm not ashamed. You should not be. I, uh, that, again, no, no shame. (laughs) It was, it's just, just because it's expected doesn't mean it's shameful. It's a great show most of the time. Uh, First four seasons
1: are some of the best animated television we've gotten. There are so many incredible moments that uh, our generation can quote a scary amount. Also, I watched it so much because I also had a brother who was a little bit younger than me who got even more Spongebob. So it was just always
0: on. It's pretty great. It's, to be honest, the real reason it's not on my list is I didn't actually watch it that much as a child. Like, I watched it when there was basically nothing else on. And then, of course, when I hit my penguins of Madagascar phase, uh, the fandom had a war against Spongebob. So I couldn't like it. Um, and mm-hmm. then it was really only through you, Katie, that I, I developed a newfound adult appreciation for it. So thank you for that. Um, it is brilliant. It is it is much, much uh, better than I think most of us even gave it credit for as a kid. Not just me. I think none of us really fully appreciated just the brilliant comedy of those first four seasons.
1: Yeah, and I, I think a big thing is that we run into this with other shows where we're like, our parents hated this. My parents <laughs> can also quote the show.
0: I, you know what, actually... my fa-
1: Wait, no. Here's a story. My yeah. father, like two days ago from the day we were recording this podcast, was sitting on the couch with our cat, and he wanted a show to just put on in the background while he was doing stuff on his iPad, and he wanted to put Spongebob on. The only reason he didn't put it on when he, he took a photo and put, like, My Little Pony was on instead, was because um. Spongebob was on commercial break. Boo but yeah like I was literally watching it today and it was it was some of the uh, newer seasons but every so often the old season pops up and you go hello
0: there's my friend friend. welcome home yeah I remember generational show absolutely one one of those core shows core show core memory I I remember they
1: teach it in film school in like 20 years
0: I hope so I mean cer- certainly it's a it's a legend of animation it's definitely changed the course of of how we perceive cartoons um have we have we have you ever have you watched the Patrick Star show the new the I haven't
1: film? I don't have Paramount because I'm normal yeah same um so I haven't though Camp Coral was on the other day and I debated trying to catch it to just see what
0: it was like. Well, one day one of us will watch one of those two shows and we will possibly give a report on it. Um, I don't know if they're going to be good. It's hard to, ca- again, hard to capture the magic of the original, uh, especially when Spongebob kind of has that Simpsons problem of it has really good early seasons and then just keeps going until the legacy is pretty fully tarnished.
1: Yeah. I will give it that it did... Fix some of its problems, unlike some other shows. That's good. The recent
0: seasons have apparently been better.
1: And maybe they the brought ages are like eight. season five through eight.
0: The, <laughs> admittedly, The Simpsons also kind of has uh, similar vibes with that. There are mid seasons that are considered the worst, and then it it like. Again, you get new writers in who remember it from when they were children, and they they can kind of perk it up. I'm I'm wondering if that's sort of similarly what's happened with SpongeBob. Is that these recent series uh, or seasons likely had writers who were inspired at least by watching SpongeBob when they were younger? Maybe not sure. our age younger, but maybe when they were in like middle or high school, um, which will help.
1: All right, give us your number one.
0: Oh, my I know my, what? This
1: is. what? I'm sure, wait, I think
0: I know what this is now, go. Well, let's see if you do. Uh, it's Code Leoka. Oh no, that wasn't what I was gonna go with. Oh, uh, okay. That makes well, sense. I, I, went, I went with this because I want, I, I, again, one of the other only times I'm gonna talk about something that meant a lot to me as a kid, but you know I haven't super gone back to. Uh, this sort of falls into a similar uh, Penguins of Madagascar fear of, I don't wanna go back and discover that this is terrible. Um, less so because I was fanatical about this one, uh, more just I think I had like a quiet appreciation for it. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, it was a little bit ahead of its time. It didn't feel like anything else that was on TV at the time. Um, it was a, a mix between 2D and CG styles uh, in a way that I really loved as a kid. Uh, it, it was, I, I, think, I think it was the, the beginnings of my, my burgeoning love for the medium Uh, that a show could so effectively use two styles that were at that time very much at war. And there was, you know, an understanding that 2D was kind of on the way out and CG was on the rise. Um, And there was starting to become definition between what meant, what was a CG show and what was a 2D show. Um, And it it, it blended those two worlds together in a really wonderful way. Uh, It was rarely funny. It wasn't really ever trying to be funny. Uh, the stakes were really real and really high all the time, um, which I, I, I admired that then, I admire it now, um, that this was a show that took itself very seriously, took a child protagonist very seriously. Uh, it existed in the same time frame of that kid next door, kids against the world mentality, um, but it, in a much more serious way because their problems, you know, weren't exaggerated child problems. Uh, one kid released a supercomputer into the world that was trying to destroy humanity. Like literally, Yay. it's Age of Ultron. So fun and exciting. It's five seasons of Age of Ultron, where Tony Stark is a twelve-year-old French boy who has yet to hit puberty. Um, it's uh, it's not. It's 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 a little bit goofy when when you have that being the premise, but it was another case of of isolating these kids in like a very communal environment. They all they all went to say the same French boarding school, um, which was very exciting to me as a kid. Like Codelyoka was kind of the same fantasy that Hogwarts was for me. Like oh cool, like you can see your friends all the time, and then you get to live with your cool roommate alone in your in your dorm room. Like that that was really cool to me. Um, and it was, it, again, the, since the stakes were so high, um, you know, you really wanted to uh, appreciate these kids and what they were, what they were fighting for. Uh, and it, it, this actually did really satisfy my lore itch um, because <laughs> the, the show did a really good job of slowly building up character backstory. Uh, until you realized uh, more about them than you thought you did at the beginning and there were some really fun twists along the way uh, there's a hero turning into a bad guy which for those of for those of uh, you who know me know that that's like my number one favorite trope I love seeing good guys turn into bad guys and vice versa it's always fun I really love it because then you have a whole season arcs of no like why are you doing this like come back to us we know you're still in there it's awesome. One one of these literal children gets totally winter soldiered for the last season of the show and it's fantastic. Um, And again, I haven't watched this show now in going on 10, 15 years. Um, And I'm again, a little scared too, but the fact that I remember so much about it, uh, I think really speak. And the fact that I'm speaking about with such enthusiasm uh, is why when I was, when I was doing my soul searching about what to put on this list and more specifically what was going number one on the list. Um, I, I found that I couldn't I could not put this one up there. It's when I think to myself of what what was the cartoon of my childhood, uh, it was this one. Uh, and it really, it really, I want it to stay, stay in that special place as the cartoon of my childhood and not bring it into my present day because it, it belongs to Kid Scarlet, and I love that for it. It is, it is Kid Scarlet's show, and adult Scarlet can stand back with a grudging respect.
1: It's, it belongs to two-inch shorter Scarlet.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hit my growth spurt early, and then not at all. <laughs> it 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 was a time. It was it was it was hard being a tall kid for three months. <laughs> you were up for that? I yeah. I would like end of fifth grade, early sixth. grade. I was like average to tall because I was five feet, and I'm like, oh yeah. If I'm already five feet. By the time I'm eleven, I'm gonna be huge. This is great. I am still five feet. <laughs> It yep. Stopped early. Uh but but that, that feels like a good place to call it. Speaking of things <laughs> stopped early, let's derail this train before I spend the next half hour just slowly drinking a glass of wine and bemoaning the fact that I'm not tall. Um, before I keep bullying you, which is part
1: of this podcast.
0: You always bully. We've been, you've been bullying me for 50 episodes and I'm still here and I love it and I love you. Thank you for being my podcast host for the past 50 episodes and for sticking with it and being enthusiastic and helping us helping us make this the best podcast we can make just two, two good friends talking about the things that they love in the world the most. Sometimes um, with some really odd friends, they bring along. Sometimes <laughs> with the odd friends, we bring along for the journey. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for those of you who have listened to all 50 episodes. We so appreciate you. We love you. We hope you stick around with us for 50 more and possibly beyond that until we're old and gray or we run out of cartoons to talk about, whichever mm-hmm. comes first. <laughs> We're already old and gray in our souls. In our souls. We'll pop back into the cartoon time machine and maybe we'll we'll go back to our childhoods and sit alongside our younger selves and watch some cartoons. Wouldn't that be lovely? I'm Scarlet.
1: I'm Katie. Now I'm sad.
0: We're your animates. Now we're sad. And we'll see you next time.